I love you. You guys are fantastic. Unique by nature. Good morning, everyone. This is Shoy with Dimple Times Radio, and we are here with Rick Patterson in the garden. Online and on your mobile device. It's sexy. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Rick in the Garden. I'm glad to be here. I've really been um, touched by your compliments and uh, kind words uh, on Facebook. We hope to entertain, cause you to chuckle a little bit, and uh, maybe you can learn a little bit about gardening. Maybe even spit up a little bit of tea while you're going to kind of drink it. How are you doing today, Max? Hey, doing wonderful, doing wonderful. I um, saw your article about chickens <laughs> in the Dimple Times. That was pretty funny. Yep. And sometimes life, you don't understand why certain things are said or stated a certain way. And I, th- I think I figured out what uh, chicken came from or when you play chicken. Yeah, that's what the article is about, about how you understood how people were the, were the concept of, of uh Play chicken came when you had chickens. Right. When when we were kids, we would uh, ride our bikes and you would, you know, you'd try to see how close you could get to each other. And whoever turned away, they were the chicken. And uh, later in life, like 40 years after that, when you end up with chickens and they're free range or they get a roam wherever they want. And sometimes they're in the driveway. They'll sit there and just keep, you know, plucking away, picking up rocks or whatever and like totally ignore you and as you get close they'll look up at you and then go back down and start picking up rocks and stuff again and looking for bugs and and eventually the last second they'll run out of the way real quick (laughs) my aunt and uncle had a chicken farm and i can remember as a kid going there and they were butchering them and cleaning them oh just to me as a kid it was disgusting and for a long time after that i wouldn't eat chicken or eggs and even to this day Eggs have to be camouflaged with cheese or bacon or ham before I'll eat it. <laughs> well, we, 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 we love the, le- the eggs, uh, and we never actually had meat chickens, only uh, chickens that laid eggs. Uh, we did end up, when you get the chickens, you end up with a certain amount that are roosters, so we did end up with roosters a few times. Uh, right now, we have not had them for about a year. The... Fox and birds, hawks and everything kind of uh, slowly got our population down. I think we helped increase the population of foxes in the community, though. I want to remind everybody that you can read all of our articles in the Dimple Time newspaper, free newspaper. It's a great little newspaper full of games and inspirational stories, gardening articles. And uh, Max here is the publisher and the um, producer of the radio show, plus the keeper of the website. Yep, do a few different, got a few hats I wear. I, want every, I think everyone should go, and there's all kinds of really nice articles on the uh, website, not just about gardening, but all kinds of inspirational stories. And with Dimple Times newspaper, you can find that in uh, Pickaway, Ross, Fayette, and Fairfield County. Well, as I mentioned before, I sent in my registration for Author in the Alley, and it's coming up on September 18th. It's coming up pretty quickly. I ordered some copies of my books, and I'm waiting for them to be delivered. And, Max, you were the inspiration of bringing this back to Circleville. Um, for a couple of years, we didn't have it, and uh, you went to the, um, to the city and to the, uh, what was the other group? The um, Circleville DBA. Actually, we approached the Circleville DBA. Which and is the 
the Bus- Downtown Business Association. They they were excited about doing it, and they're the ones that actually went to the city and got a permit to be able to shut down the alley for the day to bring back Arthur Alley. Um, so we're excited to be able to help bring that back. We, we feel it falls into the uh, realm of a newspaper and reading articles and doing different things. So uh, it, uh, the, the, the authors are signing up. If you're an author and you'd like to be involved, uh, you can send info request information from circlevilledba at gmail.com. Uh, we do have Rick that's going to be there. So if you want to stop by and visit Rick on September 18th. Oh, I would glad to meet people. I, I'm glad. I'd love to meet people. So you can stop by, pick up one of his books, and meet with him. And maybe get your photo taken with a star. Oh, yeah. I recently saw where to get your photograph taken with a Leave it to Beaver character at one of these conventions. It's $90 to have your picture taken standing beside him. And then it's even more to get their autograph. Yeah. Well, they got to make a living somehow now. They're, That's true. You know, I don't know if he makes money off of the uh, rerun royalties or not. but uh, A 60-some-year-old show, I, I doubt it. Probably wasn't even thought about reruns. Definitely the internet wasn't thought of and all the other platforms that are out there. Now, at, at these uh, Author in the Alley events, there's a lot of great authors, and, it's, it's, and they write really good books. It's, it's sad to me that... Big publishers will only often only publish people who are well known and don't get the small authors a chance. And Max has always given these local authors and authors in Ohio great opportunities to uh, talk about their books and sell their books. And like I said, I have purchased several of these books, and they're really good books. I think in all the years that I purchased books, there was only one time where I was disappointed in the books that these people have written. Very talented authors. And, and you can get disappointed in books you buy from the big authors, too. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of these guys, uh, these big names, when they're putting out a book every three months, it's like 500 pages. You know there's no way they're writing those. No, no. They probably have an army of ghost writers who write it for them. Right. But they're, like I, I, I want to really stress there, it's worth your while if you like to read and science fiction and uh, there's some history and there's inspirational work. And these books are really good. Or if you're interested in becoming an author yourself, it's a good chance to chat with other people who have already many times published a book, self-published, or even may have gotten a publisher for them. Sometimes small, and at that point you're usually paying them to get published. Well, today's show is sponsored by Elsie's. You can rent, rent to own, or purchase where nice people live in nice places. And if you're interested, you can call Sarah at 740-474-9626. And we'll be back after a few songs. Welcome back in the Garden with Rick. We're glad that you're here with us today. Um, as I've said many times, I walk eight and a half miles every day, and I go down the nature trail from the YMCA to the college, and I've noticed there's purple ironweed and goldenrod beginning to bloom. Now, even though it's been in the 90s and it's hot, we don't want to think about fall, but when you see that purple ironweed and the goldenrod, you know that summer's wrapping up and fall is right around the corner. Um, it's kind of sad to me, but goldenrod kind of gets a bad rap. Everyone says, oh, they cause my allergies. They cause my hay fever. They give me itchy eyes and a sore throat, and they make me sneeze. It's not goldenrod, folks, that do that. 
The pollen from goldenrod is so heavy that it just falls to the ground from the flower. What, what people are allergic to is the, um, um, another plant that grows at the same time, um, the uh, oh, ragweed. It's the ragweed that, that's blooming at the same time as the goldenrod that causes the allergies. It's not the goldenrod. And even though you tell this to people, people still insist, oh, I'm allergic to goldenrod. But folks, it's not the golden. I'm not saying no one's allergic to it, but the the, the bad guy is the is the uh, ragweed, and that's that's the one that has the yellow. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you. Goldenrod is a bright yellow. Rag the ragweed is ragweed is a scrawny, ugly plant with I don't even know what color the flowers are. Kind of a whitish gray kind of color. It's beautiful to see a field of goldenrod. It's like a, an ocean of yellow. In Ohio, there are um, about 22 different kinds of goldenrod. It's a plant that's native to this area, to, to North America. It's very beneficial to butterflies and bees and other creatures. Uh, some people feel that it's very aggressive, invasive, but uh, if you grow it as a flower in your garden, it's easy to pull up. If, when you look out across a field of goldenrod, you don't realize that there's so many different varieties, but if you kind of look at them, you realize that they are different. The most common type of goldenrod is called the flat top. There's a, a, even a white goldenrod. There's a zigzag goldenrod where the flowers form on opposite sides of the stem, and the stems are crooked. There's the stiff goldenrod, the rough leaf goldenrod, and there's a wrinkled leaf goldenrod, and it looks like little bubbles or wrinkles in the leaves. There's a gray goldenrod, a Canadian goldenrod, there's a giant or late goldenrod, and it reaches about seven feet tall. And then there's an early or sweet goldenrod, and when you crush the leaves, it smells like licorice. So like, if you're out, like hmm. black licorice, yeah. So, mm -hmm. anus. Hmm. so if you're out walking in the woods or in a field, kind of take time and look at the different types of goldenrod. It's really fascinating. Now, in my garden, I have a variety called fireworks goldenrod, and the sprays of the tiny yellow flowers are said to look like. Uh, firecrackers or, or uh, exploding 4th of July uh, skyrockets. They grow, they grow in these arching branches, and they have these little yellow flowers, and it's sold as an ornamental goldenrod for your garden. And again, it's called firework goldenrod. They attract butterflies. It's very easy to grow. It's resistant to deer and uh, rabbits, low maintenance. They make a beautiful cut flower. Um, like I said, it does multiply, but it's easy to keep them under control by just pulling them up. They like full sun. This variety has low water needs. Some goldenrod uh, grows in swampy areas, but this ornamental or, uh, goldenrod that grows in your garden um, kind of likes it dry. They get about 30 inches tall. They bloom late summer to fall, and they're beautiful plants, and they last for about uh, four weeks. So into... Pretty close to fall then. Right. They bloom into late summer and early fall. Okay. Today's show is sponsored by Elsie's, where you can rent, rent to own, or purchase a mobile home. They have uh, cell centers in Chillicothe, Circleville, Portsmouth, and South Point. It's where nice people live in nice places. And we will be back after a few songs. 
Welcome back in the Garden with Rick. We're talking about um, goldenrod today. It's beginning to bloom in the fields and uh, around us, which is a sure sign that fall is right around the corner. There's a lot of folklore associated with goldenrod. Um, folklore says if you make a tea out of uh, goldenrod and serve it to somebody, it seals your love for that person. Burning or crushing the leaves and spells helps with a person's quest for love. Some feel that growing goldenrod by your front door will bring money, peace, love, and prosperity to your doorstep. In English folklore, it is said that you can use goldenrod as a dowsing rod. You know what a dowsing rod is? Max, you know what a dowsing no, rod I is? No, I do not. That's where they take the, like a, a willow and... You, and there's like two sides of the stem and a stem that sticks out and then you walk around and it's supposed to pull down to where water is. A lot of the old timers say that's how you find water by taking a dowsing rod. Oh, oh, no. Find- well, and, and actually that, that is, I think I might have told this story before, but when they came out to drill water at our uh, house, um, the first company failed and did not find water. Uh-huh. And the second company came out and instead of drilling, he pounded down in with his equipment and he says all right let's see where the water's at and he found went out on a tree tore off a stick and in the shape of a y right and then he right. walked uh-huh. around the uh yard until he found a spot and oh it's pulling up oh, here it is and then he, uh, he found where the <laughs> where he was supposed to drill and well that's 18 years ago now and so there was water where, where the dowsing rod said there was water. There was water. So uh, I don't know. It, I, I, it made me chuckle, but hey. <laughs> well, people swear by it. People swear that they work. He did too. And he said, you may think this is funny, but it works. Huh. Well, in English folklore, if you take a bouquet of, of goldenrod and use it as a dowsing rod, it'll, it'll point to where spring, supposedly where a spring is at or where there's a buried treasure. So if you see me walking around with a bouquet of goldenrod, I'm not looking for love. I'm looking for the buried treasure. Golden, the yellow in the goldenrod, uh, they would boil it, and it would uh, be a dye for cloth. Some goldenrod contain, and I thought this was very interesting, some goldenrod contains up to 7 to 12% rubber. And they said that Thomas Edison's Model T Ford had tires made with goldenrod rubber. I guess the project was abandoned when they came up with synthetic rubbers, types of rubber. But uh, there was, in the 1800s, early 1900s, there was a big, uh, a lot of research in using goldenrod as a substitute for rubber, which was very interesting. Hmm. Now, the farmers have a lot of old sayings. Uh, I think I mentioned before about the blackberry winter, when the blackberries... If it's cold in June, when blackberries and raspberries are blooming, people say that's blackberry winter. Another one, an old farmer saying is that when you see the first goldenrod in bloom, frost is only six weeks away. So I'm thinking, I hope that's not right because oh if I, my fireworks goldenrod is starting to bloom at home and that would make the first frost somewhere in September or early October. Well, then again, you know, the unofficial end of summer is usually Labor Day. That's when the pool is shut down because of the fear that frost is on the way. The last few years, though, we really haven't had a bad frost until 
late October, maybe. Yeah, but this is 2021. <laughs> yes, so remember, we had frost very late this year. That's right. We did late May. Yep. I ordered annuals from different companies, and uh, they sent them to me in April. And it was really, it really kind of disgusted me because there were still like three more frost. And they shouldn't be sending things. This one company was out of Connecticut, and they shouldn't be sending things in April knowing that there's still going to be frost. And when you buy a bunch of annuals like that, there's nowhere to, you have nowhere to store them. Some of them rotted, and I had to ask. They were kind enough to, to re- replace them. I bought some variegated impatience from a company, and they came frozen. They came dead. Oh. Because it was cold. It was, you know, it was down the 20s there in May. But again, that that is so unpredictable. I mean, how many years in our lifetime? Well, I know that we had the what the blizzard of '78 or whatever. Didn't that happen in April? But how many times do you actually have cold weather that late? Well, the year before we had a late frost in in May, and the uh, mulberries and some of the fruit didn't didn't. I've been telling people for a while we need to, instead of setting back the clock, we need to set back the calendar a month because it's like (laughs) all the months are getting off a little bit or something. That's right. That's right. Well, today's show is sponsored by Elsie's Rent, Rent to Own or Purchase, where nice people live in nice places. And we will be back after a few songs. Welcome back in the garden with Rick. We're talking about goldenrod today. Goldenrod is the source of nectar for 400 or 430 species of insects and birds, including bees and migrating monarch butterflies. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but these monarchs, when it's time for them to go home, they fly like 3,000 miles back to Mexico. Um, it's like their children's and their children's children. They come here and, and they fly all the way back to a, a central location in Mexico. And that's a butterfly. It's the monarch butterfly. Wow. The, the orange and black butterfly. And they, uh, they stop over in Ohio for the, the uh, milkweed and uh, to get the nectar from like the goldenrod. The seeds provide, uh, goldenrod seeds provide food for chickadees, finches, sparrows, and uh, small animals. Now, goldenrod has a kind of a natural defense system, which I found fascinating. When insects start eating the goldenrod, they form a gall. The, they have rapid growth, and they develop this like ball on the goldenrod, but it's the size of a golf ball. So then the insects lay their eggs inside that, that gall, and then all winter the birds eat the insects, and the, and the goldenrod survives. So I thought that was fascinating. The, the goldenrod has its own kind of way of protecting itself. Now, you were telling us about um, goldenrod as a medical. Well, it, it, in, back in the mid-1100s uh, in Egypt, the caliph then had uh, believed that he greatly treasured the goldenrod because he thought it was medicine. Uh, so he actually brought it to the Middle East, 
and at that point they started uh, planting it and making it became a very important crop, uh, and it was introduced as a medicinal herb in England, and at one point it commanded high prices, so it got paid uh-huh. a lot, but then, um, well, as anybody knows with goldenrods, uh, eventually... The prices plummeted because everyone knows they started growing in the wild and they'll do their own thing. And at that point, they weren't worth as much. Maybe escape cultivation like a lot of plants do and start growing in the wild. So I I don't know if they're native to Egypt or, you know, at some point, obviously, England probably brought here to North America. Well, Um, they, they say it's native to here. So maybe it's different species, a different species that they were using. Well, in, in Europe, they uh, actually concocted a, a brew that was known as Blue Mountain Wine. And uh, then they made teas and different things in North America, especially the na- Native American Indians. So it's it's uh, it's probably, like you said, different species or something of mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm not for sure. You're, you're the garden guy. Uh, I stay away from them because I always thought they were the ones that caused part of the, my sinus problem, but maybe not. Probably not. It's the ragweed. It amuses me. There's a there's a lady in the alley where I, I walk down, and she has a, a ragweed grown in a pot. And I, I, I wonder if she even knows what she's growing. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, she's watering it and taking care of it. She I'll get my a, neighbors back. <laughs> <laughs> she must think it's a, a flower or something. I guess it is a wildflower. Very miserable wildflower, but it is a wildflower. A lot of birds like the seeds from uh, the goldenrod, like woodpeckers and chickadees. That's a lot of times they live on that seed during the wintertime. This morning when I was um, talking to my mother, and I was telling her about what the subject today on the radio show was going to be, she said she had remembered a poem, something about goldenrod. So I found it. It was written in the 1800s by a woman called Helen Hunt Jackson, and It's called September. The goldenrod is yellow. The corn is turning brown. The trees and apple orchards with fruits are bending down. Gentian's bluest fringes, that's a wildflower, are curling in the sun, and dusty pods the milkweed, its hidden silk has spun. The sedges, a grass, flaunt their harvest in every meadow nook, and asters by the brookside Make asters in the brook. From dewy lanes at morning, the grape-sweet odors rise. At noon, the roads are all aflutter, <clears throat> pardon me, with yellow butterflies, probably monarchs. By all these lovely tokens, September days are here, with summer's best of weather and autumn's best of cheer. But none of all this beauty which floods the earth and air is unto me the secret which makes September fair. Tis is a thing which I remember, to name it thrills me yet, one day of one September I never can forget. I thought that was a beautiful way to describe the wildflowers and the birds and the beauty of the goldenrod in the fall season, early fall season. Very beautiful. We want to thank you for being with us today on In the Garden with Rick. You can read my articles um, in the Dimple Times paper and on the internet dimpletimes.com and my books are available at uh, 415raspberrypicket.com today's show has been sponsored by elsie's 
where you can rent, rent to own, or purchase a home where nice people live in nice places. This edition of In the Garden with Rick is part of Temple Times Radio, an RTD media broadcast. To read more by Rick, be sure to pick up a copy of the Temple Times newspaper, which is distributed on newsstands in Fairfield, Pickaway, Ross, and Fayette counties on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. You can also read more articles by Rick at dimpletimes.com. Online and on your smartphone. Unique by nature.